Hello and welcome back to the third place. We have returned from a little short break. We had made our th uh, trek through the favelas of Max Payne, and now we're going to go through the misty castle grounds of Eco. And to say that I am overjoyed to have this guest on back, you know, for a second time, I think would be an understatement. Uh, it is none other than Logan from the Half-Life 2 episode. How are we, Logan? I am phenomenal, sir. And yourself? <laughs> oh, I listen, I you and I, you know, we we back and forth and we've been looking forward to this not only this week, but we've been probably looking forward to this for oh god, like we we agreed to do this what like almost a year ago at this point and it's been like for me, counting down the days, it's like, when can I talk about video games with Logan again? Like, <laughs> it's like, you know, I, we don't, we don't, you're one of the people that, like, I could literally, I mean, literally, I say could when we do it literally every, pretty much most days where we're, like, from sunrise to sunset talking about some, something video game related. It has so it's happened, like, it will <laughs> happen, and it will happen again. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's and this is a threat uh, to people listening. And but I am ecstatic to have you back on. I mean, the first time we did it was such a joy, such a treat. It was such a beloved uh, episode for me with Half Life Two. So I can't wait to talk about this other amazing game at Eco. But before we get into that, I want to ask you since it's been about a year since we last sat down for this uh as you are a returning guest i always ask returning guests if or you know have you played anything and i know you i know you i you, you know on discord it says you know loa Heakin is playing some like game i've never heard of so i guess to prevent us from going into three hours of talking about games we've played probably in the last year, I guess, what are some games that you've been playing uh, that are some of your favorites? They could be new and they could be an old. So you take the stage. Man, 2023 has been a great year for video games, I think. Like mm -hmm. uh, Baldur's Gate 3 kind of wrecked me in <laughs> terms of like time priorities. You're like, real life doesn't need to happen today. I What I need to do is get this paladin leveled up um okay i you know about baldur's gate 3 has been this game where i'm like never i can never pin down if it's like legitimately great like i know you i know you've been playing it a lot because i see on discord that you're playing it like probably eight times out of ten or battle bit um and then when dave uh told me he was playing it and enjoying it i was like okay there's some validity to this like game getting the praise that it's getting because it just kind of a, at least for me it appeared out of nowhere like this uh this game it's been in the in the oven for six years and then kind of bursts onto the scene and suddenly now it's like the highest rated game of like all time so at least I can sleep better at night knowing that you, uh, you, you with a cultured taste in in the video game, uh, appreciate it and love it. So, I guess 
uh, time to forego my real life and play that game too. You're going to love it. I mean, I've not experienced narrative in that form mm-hmm. with that level of breadth ever, mm-hmm. ever. It's a singular experience. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but it definitely evokes a lot of older, like classic RPGs, like when, like Western RPGs in the not only in just how it is like played, but just the like the structure of it. Like it, I've heard people compare it to like older Bioware games, so I wasn't sure if you had any insight into that. As a like certified old head of the Western RPG, it is essentially the fully realized version of that. It's got a lot of modern stylistic things going for it, but mm-hmm. the gameplay is is a hundred percent just like antiquated pen and paper in three D environments. Mm-hmm. Antiquated too, because I know it's a turn based game too. So it's oh like- yeah. Which I had to see like a dumb post saying like, oh, Baldur's Gate 3 should add like an action mode. I'm like, shut the fuck up. No, it doesn't. I haven't played this game and I know it doesn't. Just go but, play Dragon's Dogma if you want that. Like, I mean, equally Kino, if I will say so myself. I'm hyped for that second one. Let's be but, real. I mean, that one looks... I mean, never doubt Itsuno. Uh when you give that man the proper time and budget, he kind of uh, goes insane. The uh, Devil May Cry Five being the uh, the first example of this. Oh man, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm gonna have to get Baldur's Gate Three. Do it. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I'm willing to believe that might actually in the. In the eventual award show that act that actually might win all the awards, which actually is kind of surprising. In the like, it 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 it's like a game that like feels like a miracle in the sense of so many Western RPGs have been like kind of missed opportunities or failures. So, for this moderately pretty much unknown developer, more or less revolutionizing and giving a new like breath of life into this game the style of game like gives me hope like there's so many think pieces about like how the Baldur's Gate is gonna like redefine game making for the next few years and I'm like I'm cool with that like if more if developers feel pressured to make something of this quality and uh, moving forward I'm you know more of this please thank you i think the thing that really sets it apart is the level of care larian seemed to have with making the experience feel like it was totally in your hands mm-hmm. and in that way like i mean obviously stylistically there's no crossover to a kojima game yeah but that level of these are the circumstances this is how you influence it mhm go right like that level of freedom exists and even though it's like a structured three-act narrative you never feel like you're being pushed into any situation yeah i'm it's refreshing especially in the day and age where games 
are very even though they print on the pretense of like oh yeah you have freedom but you really don't so for a game to actually like go through with that is like oh yeah like that's actually really awesome i i need to see if i i need to see if cyberpunk's recent update fixes a lot of that like that's another like big scale rpg from the west where i'm just like oh wow like it actually looks really good especially now that cyberpunk has been fixed which is a, a topic for a later day wink wink to the listeners yeah, and if you haven't, you should uh, dip back into it because that DLC is uh, revolutionary on that. Oh, really? Why do you say that? Man, it reignited my love for a game that I had 200-something hours in that I had then become kind of burnt out on. Uh-huh. Uh, it made me just want to start back at square one and revisit Night City. Would you say that... This is I'm saving this proper for the eventual cyberpunk episode that is actually coming soon. Let's stay tuned sort of thing. But would you say that the cyberpunk was the foundation for it to be a really good game was always there. It's just that it was clearly rushed and not ready. Yeah, I I never understood the criticism of it when i when i played it but i think i dipped in about seven months post release oh Uh, yeah and so i was like i don't understand why people hated this so much um and then i would run into kind of like the third act being very resemble or very like i don't know what you would say like it was the embodiment of all of those issues people were having you know Mm -hmm. like jank everywhere and I was like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd probably be kind of sour on this if this was the whole thing. I mean, I was there launch day, so I can... But I, I kind of lucked out, but granted, I was playing on the PC version, which was pretty much your only way of playing the game in like a solid, stable state. Uh, and you never had anything but good things to say. Like, Yeah, it was... It, it's that rare open world game where it's like, oh yeah, the the world itself is like genuinely cool to explore. You know, there's always something around the corner, even if it's not like directly gameplay related, where it's just like, oh wow, that is visually like I am drawn to it. And that city is so dense. It's kind of crazy. Like, if I were... I understand why they made like a last gen console version of it just because the install bases for them were huge, but there was no way those that game should have been put on those older systems. It, if you look at it now, and I know you have like a, a good PC, I, I just use you know my big you know PlayStation 5. It looks great, it's vis- it's like a game where I was like, oh wow, graphics they're actually noticeable again. It's breathtaking. The soundtrack is incredible. Both the licensed ones or the ones that they composed and then the ones that they actually got written for the game. Like, I guess I'm glad that the anime revived the game. Like, it gave new life to the game. Uh, That anime is genuinely great. 
it's kind of rare for like a western style game that has a attention to visual storytelling mm-hmm. i agree it i'm like one of my favorite moments playing that game and it was like a year ago i was just like roaming around the streets in the game and it just started downpouring raining i forget which neighborhood it was in in night city it was like the it's the one where the the america theme gang is i think oh yeah yeah uh... and this like that suburby place with these like giant towers kind of all around it was just that nighttime pouring rain i was like man i haven't it's it's such a minor thing because there's games that you experience that in but like for whatever reason like this has like a weird it has a power to it that i haven't felt before which is so you, you you learn to cherish something like that with a modern game where you there's a connection here but you can't like fully explain it sort of thing i don't like i i need like you said i have to give phantom liberty i have to well i literally have to play phantom liberty by a certain time frame uh all i hear is gl- uh glowing reviews of it so that's another game i have to play like as this year has proven there's like literally a game coming out like every two weeks that it's like oh yeah this is like a, a 9 out of 10 amazing experience I really was hype about Armored Core and it delivered on every front uh, that's another I, modern game that I, I was just blown away by uh, like, I still need to finish it I'm like halfway through it um my favorite part is how the game turns into my uh in my uh my spectral gf is telling me what to do simulator uh when i forget her name the the voice ai construct that like tags along with you and starts making you do things for her i just like a you're just big robot boy uh destroying things for the sake of your gf well, you have to listen to All Mind or else, dude. <laughs> uh, it. I had a feeling that. I have a feeling that when I beat this, it'll probably actually be my game of the year. I I'm kind of confident in saying that. I, I was in a contentious battle in my mind that like Final Fantasy 16 or RE4 remake was going to be the juggernaut like battle in my brain. I think Armor Court 6 might actually take the cake. Like, it's... Maybe it's just like my monkey brain just likes a mech game, and to see a mech game of this like high quality and high budget again in the modern day is just like... Like, again, it, it lights a warmth in my heart that I have not felt in a long time sort of thing. It was really cool to me to see the combat influence of a game like Dark Souls or Sekiro pulled into the Armored Core universe. And they did it in a way where like it made sense. It wasn't like, oh, this mech suit has poise. You know. Mm-hmm. This mech suit, this mecha can hold two shotguns instead. 
He can hold four. Oh, oh, baby. I I will say, I there are other boss fights in like the from soft catalog that might be like more quote unquote epic to use that term but I don't know something about the Balteus fight like lit something in my soul cause when I have ever faced souls bosses I always feel like the the growing little angry gremlin spirit in my heart forming and I don't know why, but like with Balteus, I felt like a legitimate sense of like absolute drive to beat it. Like Balteus, despite like losing to it like 20 times in a row. I was like, I have to win this. It was, I don't think I've had that since honestly playing like Devil May Cry, where I was like, this boss is kicking my ass, but I, I can't lose because like, the boss is so cool looking. The music is perfect. The story is like lined up elegantly. I'm just like, uh, I have to win. Dying, you know, getting my ass handed to me. You know, it's all part of the journey. Well, they did something really nice too, where if you die at a boss fight, you can literally just respec and try it again. Oh, Yeah. Which is like the best part about mech games. It's like, well, I can just quickly fix what I was doing wrong and try again. Uh, I will. I'm trying to remember. I had a, a I had a trademark Soulsborne Sekiro moment where, um, I was facing it and I was in a perfect like flow state, and I died with this much health left on Balteus. And I'm like pin all, all, and I I shared that in the Cobalt chat, and I literally wanted to like rip my hair out. I was like, oh, the and what made it? And then right after that one, I get killed, but my final shot hit Balteus and killed him. So like my mech is like exploding, and I'm seeing Balteus also exploding at the same time. I'm just like, this is so cruel. And I couldn't be mad at the game either. I was just like, oh man, this is so funny. Rarely does that ever happen where it's like a double KO and I still get handed the L. That is the true Dark Souls of video games. This Dark Souls is the Dark Souls game of Dark Souls. Which is funny you mentioned that, like, the Dark Souls of joke, because that Sonic Frontiers had its final DLC and apparently people were like, oh, wow, they this DLC is Dark Souls, where they just, like, made it impossible to beat. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is actually fascinating coming from a Sonic the Hedgehog game. That's kind of beautiful in a way. <laughs> I still think Frontiers is a fun game. I'll stand by that. Even if it has its like quirks and problems, I'm like, it's a very unique little game that's like clearly trying to emulate Breath of the Wild, but because it's like Sonic the Hedgehog trying to do a serious story, it kind of like becomes this weird melancholic journey. So I recommend it, especially since like all the DLC has been free and they're just like, oh yeah, we're going to add this big chunk of new gameplay that you can like fill around with. Something needs to capture the emptiness and desolation of your abandoned chow gardens. 
This is also very true. I say as I can see my uh, Dreamcast controller behind my monitor with its VMU, the battery dead on the VMU, and I know my Chow is just suffering in pain. He deserves it. He's burning in hell. <laughs> you know, I don't think you're wrong there. God didn't give you permission to make that. <laughs> it's also very true. Uh, another game. I mean, I, I've said that I've talked about this game probably like 10 times now, but like I remember when we were having our shared because we were playing it basically at the same time. Uh, when we were going through RE4 remake, isn't it crazy oh. how they? Isn't it crazy how they made like the best game ever again? My boy Leon rides again. <laughs> it's amazing how Leon just, whenever he's in a video game, like Resident Evil's like at its peak. So, um, they should just keep making Leon Kennedy games. Leon and Chris need just the co-op experience. That's what Resident Evil Nine should be. I mean. Capcom, if you're listening, Resident Evil 9, just be Chris and Leon doing some shenanigans. Let's name it something like Chris X Leon <laughs> and get all avenues yeah, just, of the fan base. Just call it Kriya. <laughs> finally, finally make the meme of Chris posting into a video game. <laughs> the the single-handed, like the funniest thing I've ever seen which is Chris posting. Uh, just turn that into a video game where it's just like Chris has been infected with infected with a virus that makes him try to force Leon to have sex with his uh, sister. You're the only hope. You're the only... The song. I, I'm thinking of the song now. Uh, <laughs> this The song, which is... is a cover of the One Piece intro, which you have exposed me to this. Yes, I have exposed it to you, and you laugh like you know a hyena every time I show it to you. Uh, <laughs> I'll never forget the one 4chan post. It's like a picture of Sheva's, like you know, Chris. You know, I can help you pre- uh, preserve the Redfield bloodline, and it's just a picture of Chris saying, "Good, now you can fuck my sister." <laughs> <laughs> really do be like that I mean in the great tradition of great video game characters in the sense of uh, they, they are like raw sex incarnate but they don't know what sex is and it's weirdly a Capcom trait Too because pure, it's like man. it's uh, Leon, Chris, and Dante uh, they do <laughs> Uh, and I think uh, Kiryu from uh, Like a Dragon also is like this too, where it's like these man, these men are incredible sculpted beauties, but like put them in a room with a woman and they start malfunctioning. They're just it's like real life. You put Leon, you put Leon in a room with Ashley, even in the remake where she's like clearly trying to hit on Leon, and he's just like. Uh, you just need better knife training, babe. It's like poor. Oh, Leon, Ada won't fuck. Oh, Ada won't. Ada won't uh settle down with you. You can't chase the Orient for much longer, buddy. It's all visual metaphor. 
It's true. But I'll, I will say the DLC, uh, separate ways. Uh, wow, they made uh, they made separate ways better. Like, can you believe it? Albeit, I don't think that was much of a challenge because separate ways is like good, but not like amazing by any means, in my opinion. The original, it's like, oh hey, here's Ada and like some levels that you played as Leon with. They're like, oh yeah, let's give Ada unique boss fights. Let's give Ada new locations that are not explored in the main game. And it's, it's only really, ten, and it's ten dollars. It's really neat that it wasn't just like a cash grab. I don't know. It excites me that they actually took time and actually mm-hmm. cared about presenting a, a standalone experience. Oh yeah, and the fact that it's ten dollars, like what a steal! Five, give me a five-hour Resident Evil story, like hey, that ha- just for a mercenaries map, you know? Oh, like, that, that that mercenary update's free. Yeah, that blows my mind. Yeah, they they made Wesker delight, as one of my mutuals said, or no, one of my followers said, delightfully broken. Perfect. As I mean, it should be. Yeah, I mean, mercenaries has to have some level of brokenness to be like enjoyable. Because who doesn't want to be playing as Wesker and doing parries into melee attacks while wearing his sunglasses? RE4 Remake has no right to go that hard. It doesn't, but kudos to Capcom understanding the assignment. Like, you know, whatever reason, Capcom can remake Resident Evil over and over again from until, like, the end of time, and they will, like, pretty much always get it right. And no other developer seemingly can do that. And then it's a question that I'm never sure I'm going to get the answer to. But I'm glad we live in a world now that there's two versions of Resident Evil 4 that are like literally 10 out of 10 experiences. Yeah, I, I really think that even though the game has been ported or remade, a thousand ways on I think there's a toaster that you can play RE4 on in Japan somewhere you know I I mean they put it to some like jank ass Brazilian home consoles in like the late 2000s so RE4 even even that like it's perfect as is and they improved on that (laughs) RE4 is going to uh, get the life that Doom got where people are just going to port it to like their smart fridges and their calculators. I need it on a TI-84. <laughs> it just plays like a text adventure like with the cutscenes. It's Zork. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so tell me about Battlebit. I still need to get it. Oh man, it is... It's the best Battlefield game in the past 10 years, and it's just Roblox. I mean, sometimes that's all you need is Roblox graphics to get a point across. I think it started, too, as, like, trying to be a a goofy mishmash of, like, the most hardcore, realistic shooter that was a Roblox game as, like, a meme. And then it just became Battlefield roblox edition i mean roblox is a entity that i don't think i can ever 
puncture to understand, but like you see those videos where people have like created Call of Duty inside Roblox, and it's never not funny. Kids love it. Like, I mean, it activates the goblin brain of children. The the children yearn to go back to Rust Modern Warfare 2, Last Man Standing, knife only. This is this is fact. <laughs> I I saw like because they're doing the new Call of Duty is like in the multiplayer they're like remaking all the MW two maps, and I'm just like. I know it's purely like a nostalgia bait from them, but at the same time, I'm just seeing all these like maps that I like probably put, oh God, at least 500 hours into back in the day. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, there's terminal there. Oh yeah, there's high rise. Oh yeah, there's a uh, uh, favela. Like all these like maps that I truly grew up on. I'm just like kids don't know what it was like playing such amazing Kino back in the day. And what blows it's my mind too time. is that you can you can still play these maps. Like the servers for those games are still running on on like the consoles too. It's like uh we're now 14 years after people are still People are booting up their like rickety crickety PS3s to play Modern Warfare 2. Me saw being that one meme of those. where it was a guy who was like, I'm scamming people by saying this is for a make a wish donation so we can get full lobbies. It's like we gave all these cancer kids these old Xboxes. It's it's the most wholesome scam I've ever heard. It 100% is. It's both funny and endearing at the same time for me. In my heart, it was always real. And then those Make-A-Wish kids get to be called the N-Word online. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like me. I wipe away a single tear from my eye just like me. Just imagine like the St. Jude's commercial, but it's just some dude spamming the noob tube in the background. Yeah, if only there was like text chat on consoles and you just see someone trying to start an end tower he <laughs> <laughs> was like what's why did he just type n and you just see an i appear right underneath it only real ones know <laughs> that is the that is the one downside to consoles at least back in the day was no text chat <laughs> yeah, the xbox live messaging system was revolutionary man <laughs> Oh god, I still remember the one video of like because Xbox Live you could send voice messages. And I still think of the one guy who got a message a voice message saying it's like <laughs> he's like, Oh yeah, so you suck and you're gay, and he starts playing a good he starts playing uh, <laughs> <laughs> he starts what was he what was he playing? Uh Metallica, I think. He's <laughs> like Oh yeah, <laughs> just on like some shitty like five dollar Xbox three hundred and sixty headset. Oh, and he was right for that too. Like that is how you pwn children. It's, and you suck, and you're gay. He says like, and you're just jealous that you'll never be able able to do something like this with your hands. 
<laughs> what? I mean, it's like growing up on the early YouTube and being exposed to like Left 4 Dead lobby videos where you have that glorious source engine like voice chat like uh, sound where even with the slight slightest bit of like raising your voice you're suddenly peaking your microphone <laughs> and you go at a certain point it doesn't become English it just becomes indiscern indiscernible like screeching like that, those were the days just like having to wade through that online landscape Team Fortress 2 man I feel like I missed out not being able to play that at its peak I yeah I came into it a few years afterwards but listen when you boot up on your beautiful you know your old beater of a PC and you're saying you go into the server browser and you see huh what is 24/7 Mario Kart V2 uh open lobby with 64 players in it and you're like what does this mean and then you go into that <laughs> lobby and then you're exposed to literally every single known like it's a literal museum of the internet and you get to run around in it and this multiplayer map that has like intricately designed like blocky shitty like modded cars in quotation marks and uh there's like secret levels and secret passageways as you're also seeing people doing a conga line like in the corner of the map it's just like what is going on here it's it's a culture that exists only in team fortress 2 like it's a, it's a team fortress 2 lobbies of their own like nation states that have their own uh rules and behaviors and economy too since there's like the trading system too i wish that valve could count to 3 uh, they're getting there i mean counter strike 2 is now a thing so i mean all their like major ips are now stuck at number 2 so they're going to have to make a number 3 one day gabe please do it please Counter-Strike 2, Episode 1. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would jump out the window before I... If I ever to see that on my on my screen. And it's just... In, in, in Counter-Strike 2, Episode 1, it's just including, like, dust from Counter-Strike 1.6. <laughs> it's just like, oh, yeah, like, this is what you wanted, right? We're like, sure... I was, you know, start panicking, start sweating. Neko arc, <laughs> Counter Strike. I mean, I mean that would be the first. That would be the first perfect game ever made. Let's be real. IGN reviews eleven out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Um, yeah, it's just Valve sweep. Put Neko arc in every game. We get, you know, what still blows my mind about Valve is like, we talked about this on our episode last year, 
where it's like we we wouldn't want them to change even though we clearly want them to like make new things but at the same time when you hear that Valve just has a version of Left 4 Dead 2 running on Source Engine 2 and they haven't released it I'm just like oh you're 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 just twisting my balls in real time I am mystified at the fact that Half-Life Alex just comes out and they're like, yeah, it's just a $700 peripheral that you have to buy if you want to play this. It's, you know, it's there if you want it. Yeah, they were just bored one day. Be like, what if we did this? It changes the landscape of gaming, but it's like they don't care to promote it. They don't want people playing it. They're just like, yeah, we did that. Like pay up sucker because they know if they were to port it to like I don't know the PlayStation VR they'd be like that'd be too easy that'd be too simple and then they'd make Half-Life Alex 2 and be like yeah you need a Steam Deck and a, 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 an HTC Vive only then can you truly get the sequel to Half-Life Alex. You have to buy the meta Ray-Bans to play it on. Oh, God. That I could see that happening. You can only Ga- play it in the lobby of Valve HQ. So, and you have to open up the literal physical Valve. <laughs> it's like only... It's, it's just like Game Newell like, handing out a, like, a piece of paper. It just has a bunch of riddles. Saying, oh, you need to go to the highest summit on the peak and look directly into the sun when it's at sunrise. Only then will you get the clue for my next puzzle. I'd still play it. Contact me at gabe.newell at valve.com. Man. Is it... It's weird to think that there is a Counter-Strike 2 now. Like, it's so, even though it's just literally Counter-Strike Go with a new coat of paint, pretty much. The fact that, like, oh yeah, Counter-Strike now has a numbered sequel is, like, kind of messing with my head now. I think they should just make Counter-Strike 3 now. Just, like, only have Counter-Strike 2 out for, like, six months. Be like, well, here's the third one. Goodbye. It's weird to me that it's just a free game. (laughs) <laughs> that well, hey, I mean, that's that Valve magic, baby. They can just do what they literally can do what they whatever they want. They have that like money and prestige nowadays. Yeah, they should make Half Life Deathmatch too. Just saying, <laughs> that would be great. Gary's mod too. Literally would print the money. What if they just went Gmod 3 and skipped <laughs> 2 altogether? Yeah, that way they circumvent having to make a third Gmod. It's, it's all it's all part of the plan. That's why that's why the next Half-Life will be Half-Life 4. See? Didn't think things through. We skip having to make the number 3. This is this is what Gabe Newell in between emailing you about state uh, steam refunds this is what he's doing in his spare time i think he's just playing dota <laughs> playing dota and going on v like that's all he does 
still blows my mind. He's just like you and me. He's like, yeah, I'm I'm in Australia for a couple hours on a layover. Prove it. It's like it'd been funny if he like if someone if he replied and it was just like one of those audio commentary like uh floating objects in the commentary tracks of Half Life. <laughs> Like, that would we, be awesome. I put a lot of work into this post. If you have any further questions, contact me at my email. Just producer audio tag floating around in the airport. I mean, I wouldn't put it past Gabe Newell to do that. Let's be real. Our initial vision for me sitting here killing time was to make it more interactive for the player. Um. Yeah, I mean, and then he says, "All right, to get the next part of the story, please download this next file. Please download, please, please download Dota Two to get the full story." It's only nine ninety nine for the DLC voice pack. I'm surprised that like that idea has never floated at the offices of Valve. Like, Gabe, why don't you be, like, the announcer for Dota 2 as just, like, $10 DLC? Because you know people would buy it instantly. He'd release it. It'd be $33.33. People would talk (laughs) for a year about how it's proof that Half-Life 3 is, is in active development. It's in active development. Uh, for the Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, and uh, only computers like running dual core Pentium processors, and some Japanese like refrigerator. <laughs> this is this is how Gabe wins. It's like we already released Half Life Three on singular wireless phones from <laughs> 2008. You just had to be there. You 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 needed the you needed the 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 phone plan to get the special application on your phone pre pre downloaded. You had and, to have Boost Mobile to get it. Actually, <laughs> you had to go to the local cricket store. Yeah, <laughs> that's why no one's ever played it because no one goes to cricket. That's why it's called cricket, dude. <laughs> All that's there, you just hear crickets chirping. And smoke alarm chirps. Well, you know. There's a joke there, but I'll skip right past it. <laughs> well, let the listeners fill in the blanks. This, this is the first interactive podcast. You, the listener, must figure out what we were trying to say there. <laughs> this is this is a video game being made in real time. It's like just that one... like Peter Molyneux, dude. Do you know that he's making a game, or he's about to like release a new one? Oh God, is the world ready for that? I don't think it is. I mean, the world wasn't ready for Milo, so who's to say he, he, anyone's ready for his next venture? 
that man is a, a curious little creature in the face of gaming. And I like that his biggest accomplishment was the Fable series. In my mind, it was black and white. Also, fair point. <laughs> Lest we forget black and white. I mean... Oh my god. I'm trying to remember... I like how I, I, I looked up his Wikipedia page and at the bottom of it it says see also Peter Molyneux a parody Twitter account <laughs> it's more notable than he is <laughs> I like how it also has its own Wikipedia page oh my god it's a parody Twitter account created uh, by Adam Capone in 2009 uh, it went viral in 2001, which led to Molyneux uh, in reinvigoration of his legacy. Memes <laughs> become real. <laughs> some of the some of the parody accounts proposals include a racing game in which the player controls the road instead of the vehicle. <laughs> uh, a connect game in which the player must cry to open a gate. <laughs> That probably exists. He's probably yeah. floated that one. An eight-person online multiplayer game in which each player controls one leg of an octopus. Isn't that what Among Us is? <laughs> you know? I see it. A version of Street Fighter in which streets fight other streets. <laughs> I like how one of these is literally kind of like just Death Stranding's. The player holds a radioactive baby, which acts as a torch in a dark environment, rocking the baby increases its luminescence. Uh, that's oddly prescient. <laughs> Kojima's only, only following this account on Twitter. What does that mean? <laughs> a divorced father sneaks into his family house to help with chores without alerting them. I would play that. See, we... If we had let Peter Molyneux, if he got to make Milo, all these games could have come to fruition. I think make they it... just made that Milo kid a character in League of Legends. Oh my, you're so right. You're so right. Gosh darn it. It's Molyneux's legacy, dude. People say Fable, but no. They black and white? No. It's that little Mexican kid. That's what <laughs> he'll be remembered for. Little Mexican kid on your your uh, motion control camera thing that uh, didn't work. I I love how every promotion he does is just talking about how different what he's doing now will be compared to what he was doing. This is very true about him. He is well. There's always the joke about how like he promised things about Fable. It's like Fable will literally suck your dick and uh, give you pleasures beyond reality. And it's just like, oh yeah, Fable is just like your standard like just Western RPG. It's like you can kill this enemy or kill this enemy later. It's like oh shit, I never thought of it that way. You're so <laughs> right. You're so right, Peter. 
I really wow, have I've so- never had this level of choice before. Before the game told me to do this, now I can weigh my options. Move over, Shadow of the Colossus. We got real, we got real uh, actions for your own consequences. <laughs> Move over, Metal Gear Solid Three. I I will say Fable is more emotionally compelling than Metal Gear Solid. Let's just be real. <laughs> Have you tried a health potion? <laughs> oh, you you only do rations? What are you gay? You only you think smoking cigarettes uh, is a good thing in your video game? Uh, come on now. What are we? What was this? Ba- are these play you know, baby toys? Shrink this health potion. Uh, your health is low. Now I just think of like the one joke where it's like, you know, one one man he stands tall, but he only kneels to one person. It's like Kojima stands in front of the entire crowd, and then he looks to his left, he looks to his right, he sees in the crowd, he's he's he gasps, he bends his knee, he only bends to one man, Peter Molyneux. <laughs> oh my god, dude. Imagine though, it's, <laughs> ah, it's too you raw. Could, you, you could say this is a fable in of itself. But maybe that was the real story of fable it was just a, a, a woven, intricate little ruse that P- Peter Molyneux decided to take take us on. Imagine though, who knows? But he probably brought more people into the Western RPG umbrella with it. So, in the end, he always wins. You know, the house always wins. The house being Peter Molyneux. So, I guess I have to thank him for that. Todd Howard uh, could run, or Peter Molyneux walks. The Todd Howard could run. Let's just, you know, I think that's a fair comparison. Fable is probably a better game than Starfield. You know, I think that's a true statement right there. I mean, granted, I have not played Starfield, and I don't think I'm going to. Maybe I was I was not impressed when I saw Starfield. Let's just put it that way. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, space RPG. Where have I seen this one before? But I, I feel like Baldur's Gate 3 kind of like killed any momentum that Starfield probably already had. Tales old as time. I think Todd just gave up, man. Well, he, well, he's saving it for Elder Scrolls 6, which is going to be his last game. And it's just going to be Oblivion again. <laughs> this is how he wins. Come on. If he, I mean, I mean, considering the fact that there there is a Oblivion remake in the works, allegedly, you know, Todd Howard will literally get to make Oblivion until he dies. You know, his favorite, <laughs> his favorite Todd Howard video game. 
I yearn for Daggerfall. We all do. I mean, I would, I would, wouldn't mind like Morrowind coming back. I would, yeah. I would like that. Yeah. I mean, da- I mean, to its credit, though, Daggerfall has like one of the best box arts of all time. Let's be real. Let's <laughs> real recognizes real. It is pretty raw, if I'm being honest. I remember when people were like hyping Starfield when it came out, and they're like, "Look how far Bethesda has come with with their facial animations." I'm like, Morrowind kind of looks better. It's the same engine that's in Fallout Three. Yeah, but in Fallout Three, uh, the creation engine was so, or I guess it was Gamebryo at the time. It was so quirky that it couldn't uh they had to put the metro cars on NPC bodies. That's yeah, that's one of the best pieces of trivia. It is. And it only makes sense that Bethesda would and could only do that for their game. It, it's the epitome of a game held together by like duct tape and like silly string. I don't know. I, I even at Bethesda's lowest, and I have played some Bethesda lowball, you know, stinkers. Like there is something about their formula that I'm just, as you and I have referred to, the goopy goblin gamer brain just activates. It's like, oh, I get to dual wield magic and a weapon. Say no more. They might only hit inside the park home runs. But there's still home runs. <laughs> yeah, the outfielder kind of fumbles the ball a bit. You know, he kind of throws it, hits it in the umpire's head. You know, that sort Maybe of thing. Perk into it though. <laughs> tis, tis, but to be the Bethesda Game Studios player. But I think you and I know that we could be doing this for like five hours and we probably will when we cover the next game that you got, you and I are talking about next year, wink, wink, nudge, nudge to the oh listener. My God, yeah. The 10 hour, uh, the 10 hour, yeah. truly unhinged. We're, 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 yeah, we're nine hours of it is like not being on subject on subject. How could you be? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've already told another guest who's a part of this marathon that like, you do realize that we're going to be talking for five hours. Five hours about arguably the greatest game ever made, but who's, you know, you could say every game touched by this man has been the greatest game ever, and I'm not biased at all. I'm probably a little biased, but you're not wrong. I, you know, know, tomato, tomato, you know. I try to remain fair and balanced, but sometimes, you know, sometimes you you got to just just have your allegiance and your heartstrings being shown to hundreds of people being, you know, yeah, this guy is kind of the greatest to ever do it. But I think I want to get into a, a brief discussion about games in simplicity, which goes into the game of tonight, which is eco. Um Simplicity in games 
and this was something that was touched upon with the Shadow of the Colossus episode last year with Ev. And it's a recurring trend of Fumito, Fumita Oeda and his three games where he is known for his whole subtraction design where if anything that doesn't serve the main purpose of the game, it gets taken out. And it's an interesting design philosophy and you see it kind of replicated in different manners and ways of approach you know i've talked about like uncharted which is well granted not like a simp it's not simple as i uh simple as eco but you can definitely see like the the eco influence there it's just you get to kind of look a little bit harder but then you can look at something like journey which is clearly dis- inspired by eco simplicity so i want to ask you logan what do you think about simple ass video games what makes them so special I guess uh maybe like simple maybe like not simple in terms of design but also maybe just uh how they approach game design or simple aesthetics or whatever you might want to call it I mean that kind of goes back to stuff like Pac-Man right where Pac-Man on its face is like really simplistic Mm-hmm. it's almost nonsensical in a way or even like stuff like animal crossing animal crossing is probably the most simple premise in the world uh yes the furniture simulator as i've as i have adopted that term i think from a hey ash what you playing video you want i mean simplicity like you and i are some are I guess we could call us gamers, you know, if you want to use that word to describe me and Logan, but we are some, we are people who we've played games across several decades. Like we've played games from the eighties, nineties, aughts, 2010s, and now the 2020s. And as the, as time progresses, we've seen how like certain genres or games or franchises, like they have to add more and more and more because now we have the terafucks per giga shit in our, in our special little box that means we can do even more than before. But then you'd be amazed how people can just go back to like eight bit games and they can just be kind of enamored and lost in those experiences. And those games don't rely on like cutscenes or voice acting or 3D graphics or what have you. It's just very simplistic design philosophies that have to get across in a very short amount of time. And I guess it 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 speaks to the franchises that literally are still alive to this day that they can still be enjoyed. You know, like you said, Pac-Man can be just like rebranded and slapped a new coat of paint and like not only will you get it but you kind of get your brain is allowed to sort of fill in any blanks that you have like what it to think philosophically about the pac-man sort of thing i mean it is a like survival horror game really (laughs) 
move over Sweet Home, move over Resident Evil. Pac-Man was the first horror game. You're being pursued by... Come on now. <laughs> being uh, These ghosts? Are they truly ghosts? You're being chased by a giant yellow man. What does this mean? Giant melon. Once he seizes the means of production, he can then overtake the ghosts. The ghosts who flash white at times. That's just that dog in them, dude. <laughs> but, I mean, you games are such a unique medium where... Because, like, at the core of them, there has to be, like, a level of interactivity to engage with the medium itself. Even something as simple as, like, a visual novel. Like, sure, a lot of times a visual novel is, like, pressing X to choose which dialogue you want. But I think it is easy to kind of get lost in the sauce of just, like, mechanics and design philosophy. I mean... I'm trying to think, like, a game I love, Final Fantasy 16. there is a lot going on mechanically in that game. I mean, it's Devil May Cry, but with a Final Fantasy, you know, coat, coat of paint on top of it. So, like, to really, truly understand it, like, at a core, you have to, like, parse together all the minutia that, like, makes this game breathe. And it has, like, you know millions of dollars shoved into every cutscene to present Clive's beautiful face in 4K in in real time. But I think of how like a game that you and I love very dearly. And I was thinking of it because uh uh Jocko, who was on the show a few weeks ago, saying he was finally picking up Alan Wake today. It's like Alan Wake is a basic ass game when you get down to it. It's just pointing a flashlight and shooting a gun over and over and over again. But yet that experience is like captivating in of itself, despite its simplicity. There's so many oh, games yeah. where it's like simplicity allows for a greater connection to what you're experiencing on screen. I mean, hell, I would even put like a turn-based game in that in that's in that category where it's like turn-based. Sure, there are like mechanical complexities to like how a turn-based system operates, like min-maxing and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you're just pressing a button to like make a character do a move and then waiting your turn and then doing it again. And then then in between battles, you're just walking from one place to another. And I think yeah. that's why I why mean, people have such a point... that's why uh sorry. No, you're you're fine, but I'm just to touch on that, most of those games are point and click. Like there's no more complexity. Yeah. I mean it, it once you kind of rip away the facade, you realize that like how games are so I guess like just binary where it's just like I there's one thing here and one thing there. And I put in one input, here is the result. Like, I remember when someone told me that FPSs are just glorified point-and-click games. I was like, no, they're not, but they really are. But that simplicity is able, like, even like a Call of Duty game where it is the greatest Michael Bay adaptation ever put to the medium, 
but still that that core pointing and clicking is so satisfying. Let me tell you, I suddenly feel like I'm so McTavish. It gets me every time. (laughs) And I don't know what it is. Maybe as games just, they continue their march down the, like, maybe the tunnel of, like, trying to render 4K imagery and every sweat pour on a character where it's like, we want to believe that games are so much more complex than they are. When in reality, games are kind of just probably the a variation of like five core experiences, like a point and click, a text adventure, uh, a side scroller. You know, once you kind of see it for that, you kind of can just realize that simplicity even at like a fun, like just putting in game code, you're like, oh fuck, now it all makes sense. This is why I can pick up things so fast. This is why it's engaging because the the bare bones was good from the start. Yeah, you know, that's, that's one of the I things see. that, like Death Stranding, on the surface, it's a very complex, multifaceted codex driven game where there's 17 different control schemes determining Mm -hmm. what's going on at any given time and then you play it and realize like you're just delivering packages there's oh yeah there's like a, a a real story being told but the gameplay is just take this take it there don't die Mm hmm it I mean, hell, I mean, even the original Metal Gears, like the MSX ones, where it's just like, sure, there's mechanics to the stealth gameplay and how you approach rooms, but still, like, at its core, like, point and click, and then you get fed, like, a text adventure game in, like, all the sort of cutscenes at the time. Or it's... Yeah, I mean, once you... I think it really helps when you understand game design. Then you kind of, it's like the, the curtains have been pulled back and gaming becomes almost like you become like Rain Man and you can see everything. Suddenly, yeah, the Wizard the... of Oz is revealed. Yeah, it really is. And I know some people will get like black pilled on that idea of like, oh, every game is more or less the same thing. It's, you know, regurgitating similar ideas and concepts, but in the hands of, like, talented developers, something can be created. I mean, last week, or, you know, last episode, where it's, like, Max Payne 3, a very, very simple game where it is super linear, not much, like, in the way of player choice or player agency is present, but that singular linear experience is so well delivered and thought out that it's like, oh, they 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 took this core idea that's been that's been present since this like late seventies, and they were able to create something that was engaging and fun and still enjoyable to this day. You know, I 
I understand the re- the wanting to return to the good old days of gaming, but to shun away anything because it's like quote unquote regurgitation or vom- you know nostalgia baiting when it's like possibly at its core games are just cyclical and eating themselves like an Ouroboros snake. It's just what can you do with like these five different styles of game? Like how can you elevate the experience? I mean, look at Eco. Eco's about it's holding hands and platforming and fighting monsters with just the most basic of combat. On on the surface, this seems like a game that should be boring. Like what is so fascinating about this? But then you play it, and then you feel things. You experience things. And that's, you know, that's the beauty of, like, games, you know, when talented, you know, like any medium, a talented artist will create something special. Anything that foregoes the traditional introductory session of a video game where there's, like, this is the tutorial I'm the voiceover that explains to you what your goals are and just kind of drops you in this alien scenario where you're a bystander watching these things happen and then suddenly you're in control of deciding how to react to it. Mm-hmm. That's like a, a wholly entrancing narrative shift. Mm-hmm. There's no like mediation between what... I've just witnessed transitioning into what I'm now meant to do. And in eco, like once you see kind of what was supposed to be your fate, it just says, okay, here's the keys. Have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I think that's a, why I like video games is like, they're the one medium that says you do it here we give you a challenge you figure it out and it could be something so mundane as pointing and clicking or moving an analog stick from like left to right or whatever but when a developer presents like a you know the question in for in the form of like get from a to b I think that's what like games ultimately like kind of spark something in my brain where it's like problem solving mixed with scientific knowledge, obviously about how to make a game, like using technology to create art, whatever. And then obviously the artistic element on top of it too. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a medium that is truly wholly unique in that sense. Like, I get that, like, if you were to read a book, you have to actively, like, read the words in front of you. But, like, with a game, it's, like, this reactive thing that is waiting for you to do something. And certain games, it's like, oh, doing doing things gives you the next part of the story. Or doing things lets you have a reactive element that you get to experience and then it becomes like Paul, like all this, like this uh, branching path. And I think in my goopy goblin gamer brain that's covered in rust 
that is enamored by multitude of different games i think it's like at the core what ultimately is like making me pick up a controller every single time i think you know deep diving my own brain right now live on air i can smell smoke <laughs> it's game games and i think maybe with just like simple games and i like that sounds like a derogatory when describing it but when i mean it's like give 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 anyone let's say eco and i think from there it's like it's like eco had always been inside their brains like hardwired or something you know what i mean well you like look at the look at the like linear kind of breakdown of of what eco is about and you tell me that that's not you know a thousand other games like it's legend of zelda it's it's virtually any game where you're the hero you have to you know change the world in order to fix the problem that this girl has mm-hmm. right now i will and, fix i will fix her yeah you, it's it's blade runner 2049 it's you know it's like it's this kind of classic storytelling hook of well you have to save the princess and it's very simple um it's fundamentally a three-act story of you identify the problem you seek to resolve the problem and then resolution Mm -hmm. but it's charm is that with those parameters you can have this kind of infinite possibility Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think if any like hand eco to a zoomer and they may not get it but even in their own mind of doubt i think they would get it even at such a you know literal subtract design subtraction design it's like you know when you make firm solid design it speaks across generations you know i can and you could look at how games like eco influence literal developers in the same industry where it it kind of like reset people's minds at the time it's like we came out of a of, out of a generation trying to figure out the third dimension and it's like oh now we're in the new the new millennium we have this new these new powerful boxes and this game comes around and it's all it's it's like a reset button in the form of a video game it's like let's focus on the fundamentals first and foremost we have graphics that are bordering you know bordering on realism you know let's make sure our fun it's like right learning how to ride a bike after being away for like five years or something it's kind of like great art in that way where a lot of phenomenal paintings are truly just photography before it existed or photography for a time that maybe existed only in imagination Uh and yet because it captures something like so identifiably human 
it it really just speaks to us on a level that it's impossible to communicate just how won over we are by it. Yeah, I mean, this is like a case where you know those like walking simulators where it's like I can understand them. Like, sure, on the surface level observation, a walking simulator isn't really asking much, but in the hands of the right person, a walking simulator can be a moving experience just by like what they decide to show you, what they make you engage with sort of thing. And at the end of the day, I could love a game with all my kill streaks, weapon attachments, perks, unlocks, whatever. But if it isn't speaking to me on a fundamental core, you know, like if it's not as like in, in intuitively like pick up and play or I don't know, something just like natural to the way I just hold a controller, then it's like the impact is not as like firm and like huge, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Well, I think of a game like Control where uh, if you're on the outside looking in, that game is like labyrinthian. There's just all of this information. There's all of these possibilities of, of like things you can influence in the story, whether intentionally or accidentally. And yet when you play it, you don't really feel like they're holding your hand. It's just oh, kind of yeah, like, totally. yeah, here, here's the playground. Um, this is what you can do. And uh, don't break anything. <laughs> Man, Control, I am like still kicking myself that I did not get Control when it came out. Like, I don't know why that slipped past my radar in 2019. I think it was just the kind of generic advertising where it was yet another redheaded girl boss video <laughs> game. Oh, uh, thank you, Horizon Zero Dawn, for doing so much oh hey, so much one of alloy's lesbian friends <laughs> and her name's jesse it's like oh god thank god that sony ceo resigned because that gives me hope that all these like horizon zero dawn properties are going to get canceled like we we're out of the dark ages now hopefully maybe possibly the Last of Us taking off as like a TV series. Uh, you cut up there. Yeah, I mean, this games. I mean, that was the thing for the last few years with Sony, so. I can only hope that Sony hires a Japanese man who has played video games most of his life and understands PlayStation and specifically revives a Japan studio. That's all I hope for. So man I, can dream. A man can dream for Ape Escape revival. Let's oh, just God. let's let's just be honest. I need it spiritually. Uh, uh, and speaking of Ape Escape, that is also a simple game. You catch monkeys. The end. You know like, how monkeys get rowdy. Well, <laughs> some Boy, of these have we got a job for you. Some of these monkeys 
they're silly, they're they're angry, they're sleepy, and they're kind of stupid. But isn't that what life's all about? I feel like I'm one of those monkeys. <laughs> Damn, bro, same. But the point, like, Ape Escape is a simple game. But yet again, I think about Ape Escape many times throughout the year. I'm like, wow, this is quite literally a perfect game. Tony I can't Hawk, believe, dude. I, uh, yeah, game. I mean, it's Tony Hawk and Skate are very simple games. Like, it, it once you realize that all a lot of games with just like simple and easy to understand mechanics, and you're like, wow, these are kind of the greatest games ever made, huh? Uh, Let's see. Tony Hawk Underground. Great uh, story uh, she, she, for Eric real. Sparrow, come on, dude. Shut. We don't talk about Eric Sparrow in this household. <laughs> that little twerp knows what he did. He made it all the way to the Kiss concert, bro. He you did know, the, the skate mix- scene at the Kiss concert is unhinged. It it really is. And then the Russia sequence. Oh man, I'm like, I'm consulting the anti-woman shelf, a.k.a. my game shelf. I mean, uh, like, I'm looking at specifically the PS2 section. Oh, yeah, the Jack and Daxter. It's a platforming game. The end. And that game, the fir- specifically the first one for me, that one just hits in a way that very few games do. There's no girls allowed, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, another simple game that I've talked about on the show, Katamari. You roll a ball. You roll a ball for your dad with who has a giant cod piece. Well, you know. Say about a guy with a big cod piece. (laughs) Listener, you fill in the blank there too. This is your interactive story. Another simple game, SSX. I mean... God, yes. Yearn for it, BMX triple X. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I, I look, I see it right there. Old heads tap in, dude. Another simplicity and goopy goblin gamer brain go one, you know, hand in hand. Nakey Jakey was on to something there. The boy spit fire. I mean, uh, children don't know, but they yearn for burnout to make a comeback so that I can crash cars at fast speeds and listen to uh, DJ Atomica tell, you know, play some uh, some great 2000s alt-rock music. If I don't hear Yellow Card, <laughs> I'm out. If I don't hear The Lazy Generation by the F-Ups, I'm going to have a bad time. You know, a game that isn't, I would say, easy maybe to pick up is like maybe Killer Seven, but Killer Seven's kind of Kino. Yeah, but even the then, Killer is, Killer Seven, it you're you're on you're on rails, so there's simplicity in that. So it feels so much bigger than it is when you're in it. And I mean, I it's still literally one of the coolest games ever made. Like point blank they should make a killer they should make killer 8 you hearing this uh suda 51 you're done you're done with no more heroes right let's make killer 8 a, f- a thing 
know what Travis is up to. It's time to tell another tale. <laughs> Travis does not need to strike again. Oh, what? I mean, I mean, it's fuck. I mean, Silent Hill. I mean, granted, the puzzles in Silent Hill are not simple, but like the means of which to you engage with the world of Silent Hill is very is like simple on paper. Yeah, the premise, I mean, you know, it's about a a connection. It's a lost connection that you're trying to restore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Silent Hill 2 is where am I going to find wife? The game. Wife gone, James. You did it, James. How do you feel about this? And then James is like, no, the dog did it. Well, in some variations of the tale, he has a point. <laughs> in in other variations of the tale, he gets abducted by aliens. Canon ending, by the way. <laughs> I mean it. It continues from one, two, and three. It's the only the only thing true about Silent Hill is that its main character will in fact get abducted by aliens. Makes more sense than some of the stuff that happens post three. Listen, the the less said about Silent Hill four, I think the better. It's great on paper, you know. Yeah. It's got a it's got a banging soundtrack though. Let's be real. Yamioka, dude. Tender sugar? Oh, he never yeah, misses. Oh, always, always a top played song in my in my in my playlist. Uh, Tender sugar. Ooh, deep cuts. I still I can't believe Silent Hill Origins has like one of the best songs in the entire franchise in ORT. And they did not put that like they didn't release that song like for streaming, and I will never forgive Capcom for that. Or not Capcom, uh, Konami. Oh my god, I'm getting my Japanese companies confused. That's fine. I'll <laughs> forgive it. Just this one time. Uttering Konami is a stressful endeavor. It's stressful, especially since they're seemingly alive again after a. Taking a venture into the funny business known as Pachinko. And you have clowns like Jim Sterling making these three hour long videos talking about how Konami bad. I pray that MGS Delta turns out okay. Please. Please, like, just even if it is like a one-to-one recreation of MGS3, I will be happy. Like, I, I I only have so much hope, Konami. Don't burn it. Don't burn the remaining hope. But you know they're gonna do it. They're gonna they're gonna destroy the last fragment of hope I have for their for their properties. I'm holding out hope that it don't be like that. Me too. I mean, I'm a, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. Maybe Silent Hill 2 by Bloober Team will be good. Who knows? 
but I have little faith in a team called Bluebird. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about that. I guess we'll see. Who knows when that game's going to resurface? It's been it's been over a year since we last saw it. It's been five long years. You've been a coma for eight years. Start quote starts quoting MGS five hospital scene. That game would be good then. <laughs> It's like, hey, Kojima, can you just, like, do this again? Like, n don't change anything. Also, make sure that the multiplayer about making sure, making people disarm nuke nukes from their mother base, uh, make sure that that never gets fi uh, solved. It's Metal Gear Solid Five, but Elliot Page is every character. I would be, I would be genuinely depressed. It hurts. It hurts me that no one asked me before they allowed that to happen. I mean, I you are been... you are you are the foremost expert on uh, FKA Ellen Page. I would have been uh, at the forefront of that disaster, saying, "Nah, boys, let's not." Come we look... flew close to the sun already. Let's just let Come this one go. Come with me, babe. They're gonna they're gonna do some nasty things to you. Why the demonization of the American tomboy? Why now? Don't they know people like Logan are struggling in silence? It's, it's a let cruel... Them, let them roam free. <laughs> in, in the fields. The children yearn for the return of the tomboy. She should be out there climbing trees, getting her knees skinned up. <laughs> having wholesome fun and instead they're being Canadian all over the place you hate to see it you really do hate to see it you know what I hate to see right now is my bottle of angel is miraculously empty I did not notice this you gotta take it back and get it refilled from the oh, giant oh. canister oh Baby, lest we know I got the refillable bottle. Come My on, now. man. <laughs> we we don't, you know, I'm always strapped. Pulls out angel bottle from pocket. So, it, the 10 ounce bottle just chilling off screen. Yeah. When he wrote the song Big Iron on his hip, he had a bottle of Mugler Angel. It was always about Mugler. <laughs> Even before it existed. You got to be deader than Marty Robbins if you don't know. My God, but that's so true, though. How about you? You want to talk about eco? Man, yeah, always. <laughs> All right, let's get into the game of tonight, which is eco.
This is wonderful, as always. Oh, it's exquisite, dude. This is a this is a new tone for the show where it's just ex- the most laid back it's ever been. It's comfy. It's cozy. You pull, you know, get a little blanket. You gotta let them know ahead of time. Like, I mean, it's it's perfect for fall season, if you ask me. Steam some hot cocoa, tuck I'm, in. Cozy maxing, as they say. Let's let's inform the listener. It's time to get cozy. <laughs> Are you blanket maxing right now? It is fall season, after all. Are you tucked in? Are you tucked in with hot cocoa in hand and have a fat fucking retard at your side? Then it, I don't know if you have fall season in mind. Are they even trying if they... <laughs> Listen, don't they know that it's bulking season for us big boys? <laughs> yeah. It'd be I, uh, like that. I, you know... There is a time to reap and a time to sow and a time to consume 10,000 calories a day. And that time is now and only you can do it. It becomes painful at a certain point. You become that like that Nico guy who like stuffs his face with like your uh, Big Macs every day. It's like, like, oh, I have to do this. It's sad to see what you've accomplished become hmm. erased by time. And just knowing that the work ahead of you is like cyclopean. It's oh. just looming over you every second of the day. It looms over you like an eco shadow monster. Exactly. I say this about bulking season as I like currently got that got the stanky leg from hack squats. I mean, no days off, but yeah, no. you know the dysmorphia be hidden. <laughs> there's never an off day for the dysmorphia. God, if that ain't the truth, yeah, that ain't that ain't stopping me from a uh, purposely like making my body scream in pain and agony. Just for the fleeting moment where I'm like, oh, I like what I see, and then go back to normal. As a uh, good friend once said, if it ain't fixed, break it. (laughs) This is so true. So many truths on this episode. This is essentially a truth-telling podcast. This this is essentially truth social, if we're we're being honest. (laughs) Tap in for some Trump lore, dude. Oh, there's a clip of him, uh, like literally before we started recording, and he was in peak form. Or he's at like a at a at a at an event, and he's like, you know, he's he's ragging against Sleepy Joe, you know, mortal enemy of the state. And he's like, I I forget the exact word. He's like, oh yeah, this dumb motherfucker. I'm like, hell yeah, brother. <laughs> That's my president, dude. Listen, Not to date this too much. But did you see the quote he had about Taylor Swift? Yes, 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 I did. Oh it was hilarious. God. I'm sure you as a Chiefs fan are probably done with the uh, Kelsey Swift thing. I'm over it, dude. I was over it. I mean, it was a cute little moment. She seemed to enjoy herself. I'm not a Taylor hater in any sense, but like, we're talking about football here, aren't we? 
Listen, we're talking. I'm talk- I'm all for the girls having fun. Let her live her life. Let her do her thing. This is foosball. This is a real man's game. Okay. <laughs> Listen, if I don't see a bunch of guys getting their brains scrambled every single week at Sunday at one o'clock in the afternoon, then I ain't happy. Man, I feel like this is like the the podcast companion to that cozy 4 p.m. post pre during football nap. <laughs> it, yeah, no, I I 100% agree. It's that it's in that weird it's that that liminal space between games from 1 and and 4:25. How did you way to do this? I oh, man Ueda once turned on a, on a TV and he said, oh, damn, that's the greatest show on turf. And he said, damn, what a, I understand Americans now. Colossus just comes at you in a three-point stance. Yeah, Colossus suddenly becomes Orlando Pace and does a, does a pass set. That'd be terrifying, dude. <laughs> it becomes Anthony Munoz. Your average listener is now alienated from the podcast. Uh, your av- my average listener, hey, they had to endure an episode about Madden football and NCA football. They can endure this. Great episode. Yes, uh, with wonderful Glenn Rockney. I, I no cannot, one does it better. No one does it better than the Rare Candy Man, and also Backwall Man. So please, everyone. Give Glenn some love tonight. Or I guess whenever you're listening to this. I have no idea when you're listening to this. They're listening right now, dude. Oh my god. They're in the room right now. This is a live studio audience. They're in the walls. Oh shit. No, that's what that funking sound was. I thought that was my brain hitting the parts of my cranium. <laughs> it's just Neko Arc bouncing around in there. Just saying but and yin. And then just say, and then in like one every 100 bonks on my head, I'd say, sexy boy. Listen, and then one, every one, every a thousand bonks, it sounds like Neko Arc, the voice line of Neko Arc saying the N word. <laughs> the amount of times we have alluded to that funny word is quite funny. And I like keep, and I'm going to keep doing it. It's weird, like the frequency of it scales up as I show up on the show, and then it like it, <laughs> well, it tones you know, down. Well, I think you hold the last time it was uttered, so I think that's a nice little title that I think you're gonna hold for the rest of time. It's funny to me that, like, in all of the podcast appearances that I've done, it has come up at least once. I mean, that stands true for TPN all the way to your show. It it, uh, it it looms over it looms over the podcasts. <laughs> now I'm just thinking of that like Nesquik commercial where the Nesquik rabbit tosses in the letter N and the pool becomes chocolate. <laughs> I still remember when Dave posted that in his Discord channel and I lost it. Uh, Dave's Discord should be curated. Literally. I mean it's it was the first uh no well actually I had been in other ones beforehand, but it was like the first one. I'm like, oh damn, this is like pretty ballin'. It's sad because it just reminds me of how good we had it on encyclopedia.zone. May it rest in peace. Truly, but hey, the spirit is still alive in Cobalt Cave. True. 
We are uh, drippy, gooey goblins in the kobolds cave. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Where uh, R.A. has posted a, a macrame art of King of the Hill. Uh, Goobone posts a screenshot of a funny-looking dog with a caption that says, Can you stop fucking smiling? <laughs> uh, R.A. posting a picture of a Sheba, a chunky Sheba in a sweater. <laughs> and then a picture says, Now hiring wanted someone that does not goon during working hours. Apply within... You'll never get that in this day and age. <laughs> Listen, I will. I shouted out on the last episode, but shout out to RA for uh, giving me his PS1 for free because he said that I would use it better than he was. RA, you are a legend, mate. It's true. It's just these are just straight facts coming from the well. <laughs> I like how my contributions to Cobalt Cave has just been like vague Neko Arc posts. <laughs> it's like the AI image. Like it's like the human brain always looks for pattern recognition. It's like <laughs> I see that cat in the sky. This is the first time I think I've acknowledged Neko Arc on the pod. Which is really funny. It's only been there looming in the background this entire time. I I mean, she does. I mean, I remember seeing Neko Ark for the first time wearing a Yankees, a Yankee with brim and, and uh, Timberlands. And I was like, I like this funny cat. I mean, tell me that when you first saw, oh my God, the gift's not loading, of course. See this funny cat dancing? my god they have the technology to do that yeah they have the technology to make cats schmoove we we live in a society <laughs> gamers rise up dude they've got moving cats i swear to god sometimes like technology and apps with their like algorithms sometimes it feels like they are they are I mean they are listening but they truly are listening so it's like logging on to discord <laughs> that's a sign from god <laughs> god gives you a sign to let you know you're in the right place at the right time I like how this is all going to stay in by the way there's I hope no so. there's no way I'm cutting this this is too funny what I mean, you know, it's real. It's you know, this is real sexual gamer energy. We're just a couple of goofy guys trying to have a good time. People should do that more often. They should. <laughs> you know what? I, you know what I was thinking of before we got on the call tonight. I was thinking about the the last post you made. Trump packing Dipper Nation united. We dip. <laughs> It's just how it be sometimes, dude. You still have some of the best posting your posts, even with your new account. This type of shit I'm on is just Tom Finland guy fucking the world. Dude, yeah. I had to post it for frying. <laughs> I'll have to send him that picture. Uh before when we're I'll send it to him right now. Because the, me and that boy message every day. 
I love Frying. Shout out to Frying. Truly. Best, best dude on the planet. Okay. I I sent him a message. This is funny too, because he listens to all the episodes. So I just I sent him a message saying Logan wanted you to see this. God bless. <laughs> so yeah, Eco. Let's talk about that funny little game. So, Eco came out. Actually, uh, it came out September twenty fifth, two thousand and one. Uh, it actually was a, a game that came out in North America first. Funny that. Uh, it is the brainchild of one Fumita Ueda, uh, with his wonderful team called Team I- Team Eco and Japan Studios. This game. Is a blo- well, it was a cult classic for a few years until Shadow of the Colossus came out. And to say that this game defined or defined, revolutionized, influenced, whatever you want to say about game design for practically the last 22 years, whatever you want to say, it had an influence. It's such a simple premise of boy meets war, a boy meets girl. And it's all about getting uh, your spectral GF or spectral question mark GF out of a castle. That's all you do. Pretty that's your entire goal. And yet this is one of the most captivating, like three to five hour experiences that you can ever bestow upon yourself. It's minimalism done in a beautiful way, very much so like the other games in Oeda's catalog, where it feels so tender, it feels so loving and heartbreaking and all these sort of things. There really isn't a game. Well, there's some games like it, but there really doesn't. There really isn't a game that matches the peaks that Ico hits. So, my dearest Logan, what do you think about Ico? Man, you kind of hit every nail on the <laughs> head with that. It is perfection. In a way, it encapsulates the total unique approach to storytelling that you can only get with a game where it puts you in a situation that's very cinematic and just has you literally guide the story forward by holding the hand of the plot. (laughs) That's it sounds so simple and silly but it's true. You're literally guiding your plot device. That, that, that the wonderful girl named Yorda. And I don't like, I know to a lot of people, if they see the game and they, I, I feel like I get like, you get one or two responses of, I want to see more or that's it. Question mark. And I feel like with a lot of games, it's a case of you have to play it to get it. But like Eco is a game that you have to play to really get it because it's a game like, like you said, it's like cinematic, but it's not cinematic in sort of what that term became for gaming later on, which I don't have any problems with. But the game is like, relaying all of its emotions and intent 
through its gameplay. And that gameplay is, as we touched upon earlier, it's this very simple core of leading this girl through a castle, occasionally fighting some monsters, solving some platforming puzzles. But somehow it's like the game is like telling you a thousand word story in these like tender, quiet moments. And it knows when to like, it knows when to hit the plot point when it needs to. It doesn't need to do anything more than it just sets out to be and do. And the only game, at least that I can think of, that takes this concept at least to the same level as like Journey, where it's a solemn, melancholy, lonely experience. And it's all about navigating this space that feels so ginormous, but in reality, it's not not really that. And it's taking a you know, in both cases, a journey through like discovery, a journey of like creating your own story as you go, like trying to piece together what's happening, you know, what got us here, you know. I, I eco is like a game where you really get a sense of like just beautiful storytelling but it's never telling you a story if that makes sense oh 100 percent. it's that beautiful uh subtraction design that ueda pioneered i guess he pioneered you know taking anything out of a game that you know hampers the experience and you and I have seen the uh, the PS1 demo because this game started off as a PS1 game. And you, you can even see that process being worked upon where it's like, oh, the enemies in the game were going to be more traditional looking like enemy characters and the combat was going to be much more prevalent than it is in the final game. But they took that all out because it got in the way of the experience. and what we are left with are like enemy characters that are just these even when you first meet them and then when you learn what they are at the end it's very unnerving and kind of haunting they they remind me in a way of the uh the nobodies in kingdom hearts 2 like how the way they just are like constantly like twitching and spazzing and you know just how they look really unnaturally fluid you know, but they're just these amorphous blobs and they are getting in the way of your goal of protecting Yorda as they just want to take Yorda back to her cage. It's really, it's, it's again, as I said, it's minimalism done correctly. And yeah, I it's like it's this is like always the hard thing of talking about eco is like there's so little but there's so much and it's like trying to like rack your brain around it you know what i mean describing like most games requires a kind of like a codex of you know this is the circumstance these are the characters these are the things that we have to do to move forward but eco is a game where it's like you're you're taking yorta to the end that's it, you know, 
And that doesn't make it less entertaining. It doesn't make it less cinematic. It just, it's like, man, that really does kind of encapsulate the experience where you are assisting the plot. Just that's your role. You're a bystander. It doesn't happen without you, but it doesn't really happen to you. It happens with you. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's 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 a reactionary story, and not like in the like modern day understanding of that word. It's just it's the you know traditional like through your actions, the story is happening, and even really really tender soft moments like the act of saving your game you know something that we take for granted in a lot of especially nowadays is you know the the invention of auto saving has like negated the concept of like having to like pause and save your game has basically been removed the act of saving the game and your game in eco is literally sitting on a couch like which is a very beautiful and adorable like means of showing the bond between these two characters and you know how they feel like i love how if i remember correctly i could be wrong but like each couch they had they do something a little different or i can't remember if it's like they have animations they do i'm not sure but like one of my favorite ones is when they're both of them are just resting and they're just like their heads are touching like that's such a beautiful simple way to communicate the bond these two have plus the fact that it has arguably my favorite save theme of all time that little 10 second jingle that just is literally an earworm that cannot escape my brain for the past two weeks so charming oh yeah it's that that's something very touching about eco especially when you compare it to their next game with shadow of the colossus where eco has a very whimsical and even in the face of kind of this melancholy world there's still like a beautiful hope kind of waiting for you hope you know if you can make it out there's like a happy ending waiting for you and meanwhile like shadow of the colossus is a much more dour and bittersweet kind of experience so i've always gravitated towards eco's sort of sense of that there is like something at the end of the rainbow sort of say and whether it's way, just, yeah even if it's not like um I know people always like rag upon like, oh, you're protecting your princess and that's a bad thing. Who cares? But it's like, these are like basically like, I don't know their ages, but they're just like two kids. And to think that like, oh yeah, they can escape the castle and maybe they could, you know, you know, they could just be like young lovers or they could just, you know, they want to be best friends or they just simply want to get out of the castle and that's it. Like it, it there's enough there for it lets your mind kind of create moments in the story and that's also uh emphasized because much like uh ueda's games the dialogue in the game is a fake language so 
and they really emphasize it here with Yorda. You know, Yorda, you don't know what she's saying. You can under you know what Eco is saying. Like his his garbled speech is translated, but Yorda's isn't. So there's like uh removing a safety blanket of like language, but there's still like enough for you to kind of fill in the blanks, especially with Yorda's we don't know what she's saying element, but also just you know, it's it's that like uh, trying to find the word recognizable iconography and sounds that like lets you know that you can connect to it all. I guess is what I'm trying to get at. It's interesting to me the way that it presents the innocence uh, of Eco, where he's a child who lives in this very magical kind of time or place and he's displaced into this sort of cruel alien experience oh yeah the kind of crucible that he goes through on this journey of finding the one precious thing in this just abandoned and ethereal haunted place and his instinct is preserving it and you know extending it so that she can experience kind of the things that he is accustomed to yeah and like you it's that's what i love about eco is that like despite being in this like very alien world and especially in a world that like demonizes him because in this world boys with horns are sent to be like sacrificed in a sarcophagus and yet he still is like driven by just basic human instincts and it's a very touching just and it, it lets you connect to him in a way that like certain games like always struggle with the sort of immersion quality or connecting with the character like eco fun fundamentally just operates as you know good people do it's not about like well what what do i get in the end it's just like there is one person here who doesn't like think i'm a monster and i will get her out of here because she understands me it's very fairy tale like and very it's it's hard not to just keep calling this game just like innocent and beautiful and sweet despite like the situations that you get thrown into you can be real analytical about it and say like this story is is kind of like uh, um analogy of you know childhood and your transition into adulthood and navigating these kind of unknown relationships and developing um, as a person and like learning how to navigate the minefields of adolescence and puberty but it's really wasted because the game is not trying to lay anything on that thick it's kind of like this is the surface and 
it is deep, but it's it's more the depth of emotion rather than the intellectual depth, mm-hmm. you know. Which is, I think, a thing Ueda has always been a master at is like he leaves enough there to let you determine how thing like what is going like you know you, you see some people rely on vagueness as a crutch because they can't like maybe write a story but his sort of vagueness is allowing you as a player to relate to your character i mean you see that with the boy in the last guardian you see that with wanderer in shadow where it's like these characters are like on the basic established but they're not really there to be like amazing characters that you can just fall in love with their story there's a time and place for those time of games you and me being like metal gear solid fans like there's a time and a place for like intricately detailed and thought out backstories and characters and whatnot. But a game like this doesn't, is not asking for that. It's merely asking you to sort of do something that I think games have always strived for, which is connection. It's, you know, bringing the player, this very, you know, natural being to a digital creation you know being the bridge between two different states of like being in a way you know it's and i think eco gets this really well done because like eco's world kind of fundamentally operates on like natural things like eco like team eco games their, their settings are all kind of like these vaguely medieval settings with realistically enough characters where they're not like cartoonish but they're not fully they're not like fully cartoon but they're not fully human they're in that like sweet spot and it's about you connecting with more or less connecting with lines of code at the end of it it's like a beautiful little experiment in that sense and I think that's why so many people, when you like mention this game, they just like it's like a p- pooling of emotions come out because like they this was like possibly the first time where they connected on a, le- a on a level with something that isn't like it sounds weird to say like non-human, but like it's strings of code are, are like actively pulling at your own sort of emotional core and i think that's something that eco is so beautiful at it you know you are care you care for these like two little characters on your screen they're not real but somehow like they feel real as a result you can easily put yourself into the story um and I think Ueda has a master's touch when it comes to creating these very defined characters, um, but with a very relatable and kind of raw and in some ways primitive uh, kind of 
character arcs where in, in eco it's you as a person want to help this girl survive this ordeal and shadow of the colossus you know you're experiencing loss that's so tragic that you're willing to overcome these insurmountable odds to maybe save what it is that you've lost um you know and even in the last guardian where it's a little different but fundamentally it's it's just a very kind of human story of this is my friend and these are the links i'm willing to go to to let them experience life the way that i think that everyone should have a right to yeah i mean There's always that famous quote about Miyamoto saying that Link was named Link because he wanted him to be a connection, a literal link between the character and the player. And Ueda has such like just, it's on paper, it, it looks so simple, but you have to have like deft hands to like take this idea and just be able to connect on a level which is something that i you know you can connect with gamers all across the world it's it's like when you see fairy tales or like classic stories like translated to different languages they may these cultures may have never cross mingled and they might have not have read like the classic greek stories but like people at the end of the day can understand these sort of human truths as it were and i think ueda is yeah. definitely on that level of like he's presenting his view on art art or storytelling or whatever you want to call it he's just speaking i think from human truths you know like i i, I said like how his games just boil down to it's like a boy and a girl a boy and a whole like with shadow claws it's like a boy and a horse and last guardian and it's a boy and a griffin monster you know and it it speaks to sort of the intrinsic truths of like how humans and people you know people naturally want to navigate these situations like oh yeah like we're in an in a, in a situation where we're both trapped and we're going to be used for something let's get out of here and I'm going to do everything I can to help this girl get out of this castle. And so when the game does have that moment at the bridge where you can't save her, like she even, it's the one moment, like this is a case of where like cutscenes are used so brilliantly in this game where it's a moment where you're finally helpless and you rely on Yorda to save you, but you can't. It's like, it's this like really heartbreaking moment where you get sent to this like very dangerous sort of mechanical part of the castle and you don't have Yorda. So the safety blanket is gone and your fight or flight instincts kick. It's like, I'm trying to get back. I have to complete my mission as it were. And the brilliance of that, comes back to the strength of Ueda as a storyteller where it it kind of sent 
pushes you to the most mechanically challenging part of the game where it becomes less about your nurturing and protective drive um, to where it's essentially you taking revenge on the mechanics themselves because she couldn't use them to save you. Um, mm-hmm. And then it kind of reincorporates all the things that you've learned along the way in your hero's journey uh, mm-hmm. to where, oh, now I have to exploit all of these things that I've done with her um, and make them work where it's just me. It's, I don't know. It really it really does a phenomenal job of taking those melancholy feelings that only these games and maybe Dark Souls has have really capitalized on and just which, expanding them. Which is of note because Miyazaki, the creator of Dark Souls, said he would not be making games if it weren't for Eco. You know, Eco basically changed his worldview and made him want to be a game designer. And you should thank this game for all your Dark Souls and your Bloodborne's gamers. Like, this game influenced so many people, whether you directly know who they are or not. Like, you know, the, the Naughty Dog people were crew were inspired by Eco. Hideo Kojima was inspired by Eco. Uh, uh, the Hideaki uh, Miyazaki inspired by Eco, or you know, Eiji Aonuma, the guy who's been in charge of uh, Zelda since uh, I believe Wind Waker. Like you see that in the influence of Eco there with like Twilight Princess. There, it's amazing when the artifice like. I've mentioned like this quote that uh, David Osborne from Agitator put in his book um, about how like you add to the artifice and therefore there's a magic loss to it all. And I think like this game does a great job. It's like we have technology that can display things. We can display characters and they look like human beings and this location is like a beautifully designed, you know, feels like a real place in this castle with so many rooms and so many floors, but to wait to balance out the artifice getting more detailed, he removes anything out to make sure that that message is gotten across to the point where, you know, when Yorda can't save you, like you said, Logan, with the mechanics of the game, you really feel that moment. And when, and when the game actually delivers on that sort of like, Yorda finally has the strength to save you at the very end of the game when you are in all tens of purposes powerless when you're knocked unconscious and it's only it's up to her to save you and you're you know watching that cutscene it's like I don't even think a word of dialogue is like spoken and yet it's like you just were read like the Odyssey or like just a great like love story finally like delivering on its third act it's this short little five minute cutscene. like oh my god it's so it's it deserves the masterpiece title let's just put it that way it's absolutely insane and cracked and nutty 
that this was going to be a PlayStation One game. And it like, looked it looked and ran really good. Let's be honest. Like you and I have yeah. seen that. You you and I have seen that demo. It's on YouTube, by the way. You can look it up. And hot damn, does it look really good? And all of the DNA of the final product is more or less here in that PS1 demo. And I, and I almost feel like because of its PS1 roots, it adds like this like this this really almost exclusive to that era of games, just like charm that you can't get anywhere else. It's like really the cornerstone of whimsical, heartfelt, melancholy, and just soul shattering depression you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know ueda san he knows how to kick us in the balls and make us like feel things as hardened men i still i still and and a lot of the time and he uses he like he knows like when gameplay is important to deliver a moment and when gameplay is not needed to convey the moment. Like I think about how at the end of shadow of the Colossus, when you're like fully corrupted after killing all the Colossi and you're, it makes you play out the sequence where you're getting banished and you're, you physically are trying to resist it, but you can't no matter how hard you try. And like that just that sells the whole story in a whole. And Eco is like the inverse of it, where like I said, the payoff comes from like Yorta finally getting to save you when you're at your most powerless when you're in a cutscene. It's like man, it's just like master master craft, like uh game design storytelling whatever like and it doesn't need to like wow you in like a conventional way to get its point across i think any western game would try to emphasize did you notice the themes did you notice that did you do you get the the reason this is impressive from a storytelling perspective yes and yeah, they would pat themselves on the back. Like Eco, Shadow of the Colossus, The Last Guardian. I've never once felt like the game was trying to be smarter than me. No, it it almost actively encourages you to like. It, it's it's like a good game does. It makes you think beyond your like at the moment understanding sort of thing. This is a game that's like amazing to play through on a second time. Because you start to realize what it was trying to tell you. It's very much like, you know, the concept of how Yorda speaks in a language we don't fully understand. And so playing it a second time, you now start to understand what's been secretly being fed to you the whole time. That it's a waste of time to talk to women. (laughs) Damn straight, brother. (laughs) Gamers rise up, dude. We must stop the gamer genocide. It's, I mean, like, 
I talked about this on the journey episode about how like a game, a short game can be so impactful. And this is another example of that where the game probably at most will probably take you five hours to beat. And yet these five hours hit longer than like any hundred hour open world third, you know, first person shooter of the last five, six, seven years where that has more content. But like this game has something that makes not only you and I think about it for 20 plus years, but like millions of people. And I think that's the testament to like a work of art that is. I mean, I go, I, by the way, I always say, I always get it intertwined if it's Ico or Eco. I've come to the realization that I think it's supposed to be Eco. Uh, so if I slip Ico, uh, don't worry. But um, this is a uh, football podcast at its heart. <laughs> we don't get in the weeds about Let's, how it's pronounced. Yeah, I only think about Red Right eighty eight, like that type of lingo. Yeah. Like, blame blame Fumito Ueda for naming his game like this. So be it. Um, man, it's. It's amazing how, like, this game, it came out so early in the PS1 lifespan, and yet it's, like, defined more or less 20 years of just, like, game design. It's crazy to me. It's like, it's a bite-sized little game, and the fact that, like... (laughs) lovable Guillermo del Toro is like, yeah, this is a masterpiece and people need to understand it or get the fuck out. I'm like, hell yeah, brother. GDT heads rise up, dude. There's a... There's like... I have the page of It's like... Even some, even some dunderhead like Phil Fish like bends his knee for Fez. Or if, you know the guy who made Fez, he bends his knee for Eco. Also, Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead also points to this game as being a masterpiece. So I mean, but don't list, don't just listen to me. Listen to all these like famous celebrities. <laughs> listen to the professionals. <laughs> they know video games, just like I like to think I know video games. I took I took uh, game design courses in college. I'm smart. I know I know uh, teaching your player mechanics through gameplay, not a not a freaking tutorial level. It's like, ah, man, it's a shame that like we don't see this type of game much anymore these kind of smaller scale games that have like big ambitions and get like pretty good funding from like big publishers to do what they want to do you know i lament the shutting down of sony japan studios because they would make stuff like this these smaller scale but very well thought out and really just interesting games it's a it's a it's a crime. It's a crime that that studio was shut down in favor of making, uh, the American and 
European branches more popular. Thank you, Jim Ryan, for your contributions to being the worst Sony executive ever. In a way, it's almost as bad as Konami just turning into pachinko machines. Ah, uh, don't remind me. It still hurts. It still hurts. I guess they've had kind of a resurgence where they're going forward with like games, beloved IPs, but hopefully it translates back into originals and like taking chances on things that are worthwhile. Yeah, you got to rely on old reliables when you're like remembering, oh yeah, we have like literally tens of like beloved IPs that like generations of people beloved. Yeah, we're sitting on these. Wouldn't it be crazy if we made a new game in this franchise that, like, was a game and not a gambling thing? It's crazy to make a video game again. Can't believe Konami figured that out. Please, God, these new Metal Gear projects be good. Please. I can't take any more suffering. Just need it to be the same or better. <laughs> and we're good. It's not a big ask. It's it it's not a big ask. You could just re-release it. I'd buy it. Yeah, it's like Metal Gear Solid 3 is like a one-to-one visual remake. I'll be happy. It's the same thing, but with you know, I get to see Snake Naked Snake's beautiful face in 4K. I that's a win to me. You know, me as uh, the unabashed solid snake slash old snake slash big boss slash venomous snake slash solid snake uh, appreciator. Liquid can, uh, you know, liquid can be on the bench. Let's put it that way. Punished liquid. (laughs) Eli. That That little gremlin child hanging out with psych little baby psychomantis the audacity of the voice acting if you shoot him with anything other than a tranquilizer in mgs5 is <laughs> top notch it it's great i mean let's we let, what else can be said about hideous kojimbles that hasn't been said already on this show right he is a man alone. He sits on the throne. He sits on the throne like Leon does in Resident Evil 4. <laughs> What's funny too is on my TV I have like an Ico playthrough playing and in the process of you and me talking for now approximately four hours both on and off recording uh, the playthrough finished on my TV and then it went to a guy uh, playing Resident Evil 4 Classic, the OG Resident Evil 4. I was like, hmm. It's just, it's just you know, it works out like that. Resident we beat Evil it. 4. We yeah, beat re- it. <laughs> and then we can play Resident Evil 4 again. It's what the, that's what everybody wants. It's what nature wants, honestly, to just play it's Resident a, Evil 4 to the end of time. It's a sign, man. Nature is healing. You're telling me to play the next Horizon Zero Dawn? Uh, no thanks, bro. To quote Leon S. Kennedy. Where's the Dino Crisis game? Make it a reality. We need Regina. The boys don't know what they're missing. 
They don't they don't know that they're missing a beautiful redheaded lady. I would suggest another Parasite Eve, but I'm terrified to think of that. You know, okay. In the age of Square remaking slash like I would it would be kind of cool if they did like a because I mean like Parasite Eve is like a 2D slash 3D game in a sense. If they just did that, I, yeah, but with like modern assets, and that that was just it. That was the only thing they did. Maybe some gameplay changes here and there, but doesn't the tr doesn't drastically change things. A million copies sold overnight. That's my opinion. Oh, um, I, I'm right there with you. Let's you know. Let's forget about the third birthday. On its own. Not the worst game. No, not at all. In the franchise, the worst game. It's a big fat L. Which is unfortunate, because there are parts of the third birthday which are cool. Namely, Ayabrea in her wedding dress. Like, come oh, on yeah. now. I mean, what can, what can be said about Aya that hasn't already been said, I guess? She is the one, the one and only. It's my wife. This is my digital wife. She will never betray me. She'll never, she will never nag at me. That's all Aya around blacks don't relax, Brea. <laughs> Again. The the letter the the letter N looms over this podcast episode. <laughs> I just I, I look I look up in the sky and it's just like a giant letter in the sky. I'm just like, huh, what does that mean? Hmm, who left that there? <laughs> Did the big man above just like plop that cloud in the sky in the shape of a letter N just for fun? What? <laughs> I feel like I feel like the count from Sesame Street. Today's letter is the letter N. Now I mean, it's just she was an NYPD. Let's she, let's be she, real. She, yeah, she was the realest one out of us all. <laughs> you know, to to reference something that me and Logan only know, and we laugh like monkeys about it. The crackhead plumber in the bathtub. <laughs> apparently I've, I've investigated and there's some further lore that's a still from a video that I've yet to locate <laughs> it's out there it exists I love I love how whenever you and I talk we go from like being gigabraining at a level that is like never been done before and then we're talking about crackhead plumber Amen. And this is something that only this is like an inside joke of all inside jokes. We contain multitudes. This is what this podcast is about is like figuring out what's inside this like this skull that's full of like marbles and play-doh and slime. I I contain multitudes. Several of them are pertaining to Solid Snake. 
I'd say a good 80%. (laughs) Listen, it's how I get through the day. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm walking out, you know, I'm going to the gym. Then suddenly I see, it's like that joke one where the guys kiss like randomly after like colliding with each other. I just think of like, oh yeah, solid snake. My world is better. My day is a little bit better today. If you're not Shadow Moses Maxing, you're just not going to make it. That's true. Words have never been spoken, honestly. If you're not looking at every vent you walk past and going, I could fit in that. Yeah, what the... I mean, that was a thing for games for a long time about how, like, vent... You could just, you know, fit in every vent. Half-Life, Deus Ex, uh, Metal Gear Solid. Like... Die Hard and its consequences have been a boon for gamers. Yeah, I mean... Think of the possibilities with a, with a vent. I mean, the possibilities are endless, in my opinion, with a vent. And Metal Gear does the correct thing. Well, actually, no. I got it wrong. Got my gamer facts wrong. You do not see Solid Snake's ass in the vent. So Metal Gear gets one point removed from its 1,000 out of 1,000 rating. It was a different time. They weren't ready to let Kojima take such bold chances. Listen, he took bold chances by having Raiden, the sexually ambiguous character, as he as he moan and groans to his girl his girlfriend about uh uh why why does she keep persisting about today's date? Really, I mean, if you've never seen a calendar, Metal Gear Solid Two theoretically would teach you everything you need to know about dates. Yeah. Damn, you're... <laughs> this is the genius that Hideo is. He's like teaching you about how the inf- the age of the internet is full of misinformation and what are the days of the month. It's crazy to think how like Death Stranding... Definitely. Oh, you cut out there. This is unfortunate. My seventh. Uh, It's unfortunate you cut out when you said Death Stranding is. Ah, bummer. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be incredibly complex. Have probably the most realistic depictions of human anatomy represented in like a true game form and then it will just be in service of some cutscene that only plays on a specific day oh yeah and it's like oh interesting with the with the power of the playstation 5 we will get the most realistically rendered version of uh norman reedus's bulge and then he can coyly play like play it off like an anime girl and punch the camera again and i will clap and i will clap my hands like a big fat seal and i say the video game do something cool bravo kojima (laughs) you did it again old boy i mean the man has not he has not delivered a stinker in my eyes don't think he ever will (laughs) I love how he's lauded as such a genius and he's so creative and he's like the greatest artist that ever lived who made video games and his sense of humor is pee and poop is funny. 
as I've said before, the man is body curious. 100%. He's fascinated by the inner mechanisms of the human body and the outer mechanisms. You know, characters pissing themselves, <laughs> characters shitting themselves, characters crotch grabbing each other, characters with fat asses. So like, cracked to imagine working on Metal Gear Solid and he shows up with a five-page treatment about how Solid Snake's butt should look from behind. And it should be bigger than Raiden's. Because yeah. that, that emphasizes the difference in power between the two. It's like These are, are deeply planned out power dynamics. You don't understand. I mean, I always think back about the one thing Yoji Shinkabo once said. He's like, Oh yeah, when when Kojima described me the character of Vamp, you know, I thought he's and he wanted a vampire. I thought he was joking, but he wasn't. He knows what he wants. He wants a he wants a character named Vamp who is a vampire and is bisexual, but his name's not Vamp because he is a bisexual. He's named Vamp because no, he's he's named Vamp not because he's a vampire, because he's bisexual. I mean, he just had to clarify. Yeah, you know, don't you know. Don't don't judge a book by its cover, gamer. Kojima said you thought you knew, but you didn't knew. I love this episode. <laughs> <laughs> this episode's so funny. Like we we more or less covered everything we needed to do about eco, and we wrote we 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 wrote the book on it on eco discussion. So it just divulges into like one of our like non are incomprehensible ramblings about one funny Japanese man. Just a stream of non sequiturs. A, 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 a funny Japanese man who decided to make a video game series about the military industrial complex in America. And he's like, oh, but what if I did this? Go off, queen. Just let it happen. I mean, would the world be better if Kojima had continued to make that penguin game for the NES like he did all those years ago? I don't think so. I, I struggle to think what the world would look like without the Kojima brilliance. If he had just kept making penguin adventure. He would have he probably would have blown up a building. You know, I will not confirm or deny if that's what the intentions of one hideous Kojima. But I'm glad that we live in a world now where he just like will post pictures about how he's met his besties online. I love his movie reviews. It's the greatest gauge as to whether a movie is worth watching or not. Yeah, if he like posts multiple pictures about the stuff he got at the premiere and he like has at least like a short paragraph you know it was good at the bare minimum but if he just said I went to this movie then you know it sucked ass I don't need to know how much money it made in the box office I just need to know what Hideo thinks I mean the most recent inductee since we lasted an episode was the Super Mario Bros movie he just said went saw this movie he's like oh I guess he hated it it's crazy to me to think that man has like a, a family and children and yet you know, you know I wonder what his son thinks. What if it's just riding? 
He's like, he goes up to his son on his deathbed. It's like, you know, you know the character Raiden's son. Yeah, you know how I made him a girly man. I based it off you. And then he dies. <laughs> and he's like, this is how he pay this is how he gets back at his son for hating his games and making a PSP game himself in hopes that his son would like it and his son didn't play it. That's gotta be the biggest betrayal. I mean, that is still so... It's both adorable and cute that that's how Peace Walker came to existence, is that he noticed that his son only liked portable ops. He's like, huh, what if I made a PSP... What if I did a PSP Metal Gear game? Because my son would like it. And then his son didn't. It's always your own people. Damn, I can't believe this is like the the ne- the newest version of Caesar getting backstabbed by Brutus. Uh, the crossover between Cyberpunk featuring Kojima blew my mind. And he's just sitting there. He doesn't do anything. He's just talking about making the next Death Stranding, basically. <laughs> it was all there. He's like, Elle Fanning, <laughs> that's my girl. Like how I go on to the Death Stranding Wikipedia page, and there is a note that says compatible exclusively with iPhone 15 Pro, and I think that is a flaw. Yeah, they the, on the new iPhones you can right. They showed off the new iPhones, and you can play Death Stranding on it. Like, and it looks like basically the PlayStation version. I'm not joking. Yes. This, I mean. Can't wait for Death Stranding 2 to be a, an, an, a Mac OS exclusive game. Oh my god, that looks hilarious. Oh yeah, no, they, they showed off those new iPhones. You could play like the newer Resident Evils on them. It's really funny to see like those button, those controller overlays on your touch screen that take up like the entire screen. Just has how God intended to play my console video games on my cellular device. Especially for something like as mechanically complex as Death Stranding. Yes, to hold the like trigger buttons down to like balance Sam out. And it's like there's like you know, there's a physical feeling to have, but like now I'm touching a glass screen and I get no feedback. Or it just causes the haptic motor to burn out immediately. What a guy. What isn't it great? I mean Kojima, Ueda, Suda fifty one, Hideki Kamiya, Shinji Mikami. Uh who else am I missing? Eiji yeah, Aonuma. Shigeru Miyamoto. I mean the Japanese kind of know video games. I know a thing or two. I miss when games were like the game industry was like 50% Western and like like 45% Western and 55% Japanese. Like in the late PlayStation era. Like late PS1, early PS2. I guess all of, all of PS2, really. It's funny now to have that kind of hindsight and people criticize Japanese games for being very samey. 
and like not presenting new kind of concepts or ideas it's like oh it's all just turn-based rpgs or you know insert xyz as opposed to these innovative indie games from western developers like how far have we come dude Japanese devs, they tried something different. It was called the seventh gen, and they were forced to make games Western, and it didn't turn out great for most developers, unfortunately. Bigger L's have never been whole. My my biggest ex- my 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 biggest example for the court in this court case is a uh, Capcom in that era. Yuck. Let's 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 never forget DMC DMC. Actually, maybe we should. Maybe it's good for the culture. I think, honestly, I'm just going to end this game on just like us ramp this episode on us just like talking because there's like no point in just being like, well, thanks for joining me, Logan. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way I could do that. Conversation continues for another 11 hours. Many such cases with you and me devolves into utter madness just becomes monkey i mean what need is there for language really yeah i mean eco proves that you don't even know what what i'm saying Uh, it all comes back together baby this is the homies holding hands podcast (laughs) you're you ain't gonna get this on the kojima cast or whatever that kojima centered uh, podcast is or uh, the Metal Gear Frequency. Is that a thing? Yeah, and it stinks. Ugh. It's like, could you imagine being self serious about Metal Gear Solid of all things? Right. Like, it's a game about dudes who rock, dudes who don't, and occasionally Cold War panic. Yeah, but then they saw Quiet, and then they got offended that, like, you know, my ser- my quote-unquote serious game has Quiet in it. It's like, I will now play the saddest the song on the smallest violin. The Quiet <laughs> still lives rent-free in these people's minds. I love to Kojima's defense. You will feel bad about her backstory. It's like, uh, it's fun to look at. Yeah, I love Kojima's. Like, yeah, you're gonna feel very bad when you learn about Quiet's story. It's like the part where she dances in the rain with with Venom in her underwear. You know. Maybe people should uh, just have fun with Metal Gear because it's having fun with itself. I don't know. That's my hot take. You can have your political analysis videos of MGS2 here and there as a treat for yourself, but I'm going to laugh at uh, Volgan crotch-grabbing Snake in a riding face decoy co- you know, costume as God intended 
<laughs> Truly. Video games are cool, aren't they? In my humble opinion. I hope I hope you said something because they might have cut out right there again. <laughs> Unfortunately. Oh yeah, sorry about that. Nah. Hey, we're 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 to quote one man, we're running on empty food review. I uh I don't know, man. Video it's games, always video games are cool. It always just boils down to video games. They're fun. Should I have the Nakey Jakey uh, thought process when it comes to games where you sit on a yoga ball and you just start tangentially like referencing Menard's two by fours? <laughs> if they're tuning in for anything other the the ultimate test this is this will be this is my uh from software filtering moment where if you can endure this like last 30 minutes of this episode then you're a real one this is the true dark soul of podcasting this is, this is, yeah. this is the dark souls of podcasting you have to unite the fire shrine <laughs> you have to <laughs> i just think of the jakey thing it's like in when he's doing his the the Elden Ring videos, it's like, uh, I forget the town in Dark Souls. But he's like, oh, you know, you you made up Lost Isolith. You know, you made that all up. Gaslight, gaslight, gaslight. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you just made it. Every, the listener at home, you just made up this whole last thirty minutes. It never happened, dude. It's vaporware. <laughs> It's coming to the PS3.5. Oh, yeah. Man, we, if they had glued two PS3s together, it might have been better than like the first half of the PS4 generation. That's the true third place, dude. <laughs> it's in the PlayStation 3. It's in the cell processor. What if they do the Mortal Kombat revision thing where it's like, this is Mortal Kombat 1. I would, I would, my, I might like start leaking blood out of my ears. <laughs> I'd be like, huh? No, they, they come up with a new console and it's just like, it's the play space station. Oh my God. See, that's something like Apple would do. I could see that happening. And it would be brilliant. Everybody would love it. Yeah, exactly. But if Sony did it, they would be criticized. It's just a controller. It's like a new controller that doesn't pair with anything. Yeah, you just... To go with the classic joke, you just get a controller because PlayStation has no games. That's the freaking truth, brother. <laughs> uh, to anyone who's still listening, if you want to play Eco... Get yourself a PS2 or get a PS3. Uh, ideally, I would recommend the PS... Or No, it's on PS5. You can buy it off the PSN store. Um, it's all There's also available on PS3 where it got remastered. And if you have a PS2, like a based individual would have, you can just 
get a copy for like $15. It's pretty sweet if you ask me. So, yeah, everyone needs to play Eco. They everyone needs to play all the Ueda games, just so you can like sit down and shut up and just enjoy good quality gaming. That's just Eco my... is for the people. Eco is for the Pico, the people Eco, which were... I love how when they were making Shadow of the Colossus, they're. Their project name for it was just called Nico. Mm -hmm.